Appamata and its programs are supported by your generosity and your generosity and support makes such a difference. You can find a link for contributions on the website at appamata.org. Thank you. for being here. I'd like to talk this morning about uh, the Metta Sutta. And um, I'd like to start that with us all together saying that, chanting the Metta Sutta, which is in the chant book on page 17. So, um, and bring that up for the people online. And I'm going to do this kind of slow so we can really feel into these words, what it evokes, what it feels like to say them and become aware of their meaning. Sutta. This is what should be accomplished by the one who is wise, who seeks the good and has obtained peace. Let one be strenuous, upright, and sincere, without pride, easily contented, and joyous. Let one not be submerged by the things of the world. Let one not take upon oneself the burden of riches. Let one's senses be controlled. Let one be wise but not puffed up. And let one not desire great possessions even for one's family. Let one do nothing that is mean or that the wise would reprove. May all beings be happy. May they be joyous and live in safety. All living beings, whether weak or strong, in high or middle or low realms of existence, small or great, visible or invisible, near or far, born or to be born, may all beings be happy. Let no one deceive another, nor despise any being in any state. Let none by anger or hatred wish harm to another. Even as a mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child, so with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things suffusing love over the entire world, above, below, and all around, without limit. So let one cultivate an infinite goodwill toward the whole world, standing or walking, sitting or lying down, during all one's waking hours. Let one practice the way with gratitude not holding to fixed views, endowed with insight, 
created from sense appetites, one who achieves the way will be free from the duality of birth and death. explain a little before I start or as I start about why I chose to talk about the Meta Sutta today. It's because I was being clever. I was uh, thinking about Mother's Day, which some of us may celebrate and thinking, oh, right, there's a line in here about mother's love. And um, so that was part of it. Though I realize that's a little problematic for many of us because we may not have experienced our mothers in that way. But I think more importantly, I was thinking of Zenke Blanche Hartman, um, Flint's root teacher. And hearing that, as her practice ripened and she became older and nearer to the end of her life, she became very dedicated to the practice of Metta. She became very involved in the Metta Sutta. Um, and I always had a connection with my idea of Blanche because I know in her profession, she was a scientist, she was an engineer. And that always appealed to me because I have a very strong rational mind. I want to understand things in a very conscious, logical way and non-duality eludes me um, and frustrates me. Um, and so I thought maybe she felt the same way, having a strong, active, rational mind. And maybe her teachings will speak to me about that, about how to reconcile my rational and non-rational parts of myself. So when I heard that she was very interested or very dedicated to Mata and the Mata Sutta, I wondered why. And it seems or had seemed, and in a way still does seem to me, an instruction about how to be nice, how to be really, really nice, how to be superhumanly nice. Um, and that didn't seem to jive with my particular idea about Blanche Hartman or about myself and that part of myself that I identify with her. So I wanted to find out what is this? This was a teacher who was ripe in her practice and this is what she gravitated toward at the end of her life. There must be something there. I want to know what's there. Um, 
So again, this kind of flies in the face of my experience, like I explained. Um, many of the phrases in the Metta Sutta, suffusing love over the entire world. What does that mean? How does one possibly do that? Um, Even as a mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child, so with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things. Wait a minute. What about the, the beings that we believe are causing suffering? What about the examples we can all think of that are out there that don't seem to be deserving of love, of my love? of my good feeling, um, my wish for well-being. Um, what about those beings? What about this? Um, this is really non-differentiating. And I think that speaks to one of the really important points about this sutra that it does speak to interconnectedness. It does speak to dependent origination, that we are all connected. Um, providing loving kindness and receiving loving kindness really produce very much the same sensation very much the same outcome. So I wanted to go through the Metta Sutta, um, a few lines by a few lines, and just tell you sort of my interpretation of it. And then hopefully we'll have some time to talk at the end of this. I'll keep an eye on my time. So it seems to me that the first part of the Metta Sutta is um, instructions about how to be a good person, how to live a good life. This is what should be accomplished by the one who is wise, who seeks the good and has obtained peace. So this to me seems a basic Buddhist instruction about how to live a good life. And then there's a list. Let one be strenuous, upright and sincere, without pride, easily contented and joyous. Let one not be submerged by the things of the world. This idea, not being submerged by the things of the world, seems to repeat several times. Not taking up the burden of riches, letting one's senses be controlled, not to desire great possessions. And then there's a line that covers everything else forever. Let one do nothing that is mean or that the wise would reprove. That just about covers it. Don't, you know, don't do any of those things. I've always gotten a little stuck with this line because who's to say who's wise? Some people would say one person is wise and other people would vehemently disagree. 
what one group of people or one single person thinks is a wise action is not the same as what every group and every person thinks is a wise action. So I offer this as a point of inquiry. I mean in this talk to encourage all of us to continue our practice of practice realization step by step. I don't mean to offer hindrances, but I do want to share with you where I have questions, have things that need answering that I wonder about. And that's one of them. Where do I get off saying what's wise for everyone? I'm not sure about that. So that stays with me. And then we move into a section that I think of as the crux of the sutta that has such a different feeling for me. When I say this next line, I feel a sense of opening up and almost a sense of tears coming to my eyes at times. May all beings be happy. May they be joyous. Not just happy, but joyous and live in safety. So then it goes through talking about everybody, all beings, all things, um, whether they're high or low or middle, whether they're near or far, even born or to be born, may all beings be happy. What a wish, what a prayer. It reminds me of the Dalai Lama who, when he talks about what is my religion, my religion is kindness. So maybe loving kindness is a little bit highfalutin. Maybe it's just simply kindness, simply positive fellow feeling, friendliness. Peg has mentioned benevolence. And then we go into a section that is how to do that. Other section of instruction, like the first section was an instruction about how to live a good life. Now we're being instru instructed about how to create the conditions that all beings may be happy. Um, not deceiving or despising any other not wishing harm by anger or hatred. And then we get to the line about even as a mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child. So with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things. Suffusing love over the entire world, above, below, and all around without limit. So let one cultivate an infinite goodwill toward the whole world. And that's another sticking point for me. I've always wondered if I've ever had an experience of that. Is it humanly possible to do that? I don't 
know that I have an embodied sense of what it would be to suffuse love over the entire world? Is it just something in my head? Uh, kind of sweet instruction that uh, is, is very hard to do, so much so that I'm not sure that I ever have or ever will? Or is there actually a way that we have experienced that? And a little bit further on, I'd like to do a short meditation, a short guided meditation where we maybe can get a sense, a taste of our experience of that and what it might be to extend that outward from our own experience. And then we come to a section that to me talks particularly about practice, about our practice, standing or walking, sitting or lying down during all one's waking hours. Let one practice the way with gratitude. These next three lines have come to strike me as talking about the remedy for greed, hate, and delusion. To me, not holding to fixed views is a remedy for hate. Endowed with insight is the description of not being caught by delusion. Freed from sense appetites speaks to not being subsumed by greed. And then one who achieves the way will be freed from the duality of birth and death. So that's my take right now on the Metta Sutta. Um, how I read it right now, what some of my questions are about it that I continue to, to chew on to work with. Um, but I'd like now to take just a few minutes and do the guided meditation I was speaking of. So get comfortable in any position that supports you and you're able to comfortably maintain for a few minutes. And if you like, close your eyes or keep them softly open. And take three deep breaths in and out. Aware of the air becoming breath. Then becoming air again. aware of the weight of your particular body being supported by the earth, by your chair, by the floor. And bring to mind or imagine an instance in your life 
that could be described as loving kindness. Could be an interaction with another person, a family member, a friend, a stranger, with a teacher or a child. Could be a connection with an animal or a place, a particular experience that filled your heart. You felt full of love and kindness and gratitude. Let yourself be in that experience. Become aware of where it is, what's around you, the sounds, the sights involved in this experience, the smells, the physical feelings. Let yourself recall or imagine what happened that provoked this feeling. Allow the awareness of this feeling, this sensation, this memory or imagining to settle into your body. Become aware of where in your body you feel this. And bask in that feeling. Allow that feeling to glow. and radiate a warmth and a light filling your body, expanding beyond the edges of your body, out into your surroundings, perhaps golden shining light that is the feeling of this loving kindness. This light and warmth continues to expand until it covers the entire area that you're inhabiting the entire sky, the entire ground, all the air. This light and warmth and well-being. Until you're able to imagine the globe of the earth entirely covered 
with his golden light, with a great comfort and ease. Imagine all of space, all there is born and to be born in the light of this kind, sure feeling. Suffusing love over the entire world, above, below, and all around, without limit. Allow your mind to come back to your own self. This warm light still exists. And bring your awareness to someone that's physically close to you right now, either online or in the room. And imagine encasing that person in this golden light, this individual one. So that both of you are in a blanket, a formless field of benefaction. Unable to say where it comes from. unable to assign any deserving our work in some part is to love the unlovable The lovable is easy, makes us smile. Our work is to become aware of what is it that needs this love and extend 
this kindness there. So come back to yourself wherever you are. And I propose that that's a physical embodied experience of suffusing love over the entire world. And that we must get better at it the more we practice it. So I wanted to open it up. We have a, a nice intimate group. So we don't need any breakout rooms, but to let people express their experiences and questions and ideas about this. I'll let Nancy call on people if she sees people raise their hands. Kim. <laughs> uh, yesterday in Buddhist Action Now, we read about the childhood of Putin. Mm. And this was, one thing I've been noticing lately is how some things really affect me, but I don't notice it till much later. Mm. And when you read the, the Metasuda for the set first time, is that I saw the incredible contrast between how Putin was raised. And they, made, they said that all the uh, terrible leaders have had a terrible, traumatic childhood, you know, mm. in the same way as his parents did. You know, the, so so it, it just really struck me the contrast and what this might have done. Mm. What, being being suffused with love rather than with hate and, and uh, uh, you know and then reading this morning about the bombing of the I think the kids with 60 school 60 kids in a school or something mm. you know something terrible today and then mm. hearing this it was just it really was jolting different that is and how important it is, you know, however we can carry this message. And yeah. when we think about other issues, for example, the environment and things, this is in racism and this is this is really something we can do, you know, in every moment is just have this on our mind. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me, I just um, listened to something online, uh, the title of which was what we nurture and the woman who was giving the talk told the old story supposedly native american about a grandmother talking to a young girl saying inside me there are two wolves and one is angry and fighting and one is kind and loving and they're always battling and the little girl says grandma who wins and the grandma says the one i feed yeah. okay. uh, shayla 
Yes, good morning. Um, I want to thank you for this teaching. It's, it's, I relate to the difficulty <laughs> that, that we have um, in diffusing love in the world. Um, that's become a huge part of my practice. And one of the, or attempting to do that, I find it more and more uh, difficult um, with the way things are. And like Kim was saying, particularly with uh, the war that is going on and it, the war that's going on in this country, um, in so many ways, the, uh, the Supreme Court decision um, that we think is coming um, has been very difficult for me to accept the, the seemingly lack of um, loving kindness for all women um, in this in this time where our very bodies are being threatened. Um, it's, it is difficult. Uh, one of the things that I think has helped me, especially when Peg sent out the prayer for Putin, I don't know if everybody uh, got that email where she, she had written a loving kindness meditation sort of for uh, to do. And I began to do that, try to do that daily. Mm -hmm. um, and it really, it's expanded to other people <laughs> um, uh, for me. And using that same prayer, really, it's, it's sort of become a, a, a prayer for everyone. Um, because there are such, it's, and what it does is it, it changes me when I recite a prayer like that, a loving kindness meditation. Uh, what's changing is not the people in the world and the behavior that's going on, but what's changing is my ability to embrace something that is seemingly unembraceable. And, um, so it, it's really, I, I think, important for me to to be to have that reminder daily um, that that's what we are called to do as compassionate human beings, um, whether rationally we really feel like we're there <laughs> and being able to do it. Um, it's it, it, the repetition, the practice is, um, does change us slowly but surely in ways that are mysterious and not at all rational to me. Um, but, but thank you. Thank you so much for the, the reminder and Happy Mother's Day to everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, it's always very nice to hear.
ีลิ้น
I don't know where that went. I know nothing, but thank you so much. Okay, then you don't get to hide anymore. We all know you have much wisdom. <laughs> thank you. Geneve. Hi. Um, I wanted to thank you and, and Sheila and Lynn. Um, so much depth of heart wisdom today um, and, and honesty and vulnerability. Um, I noticed that when we did the guided meditation, I, I was aware that the love was being shared and I was having trouble receiving it. Mm. Then when we went further and we, we started with sending the love out, I was able to feel it better. So that's just an interesting thing mm -hmm. that I experienced. Um, and, um, and I had some thoughts. So I think wisdom, um, I think that line for me is um, a request for me to keep considering what is wise, to keep asking myself, what is wise? Not that I will know the answer and not that anybody always knows the answer, but the question is worth asking. What, it, what, 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 would, the, what would a wise person do here? And I think each of us has a kind of wisdom inside that we don't consult very often. Um, and so I think it's a worthy question, even if there is no ultimate answer. I think we can always at any moment do our best to take the next, next right step and then do our best again. Um, and um, I also thought about nice. You said it was an invocation to be nice. And I thought about how many of us are raised to be nice all the time, especially girls. Um, if, you don't, if you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything at all. Um, and I, I was thinking that the loving, wise action is not always the nice action. Sometimes the most loving, th loving thing you can do is to set a limit. Um, you can do it in a loving way, but it may not, if you're the mother, for example, setting a limit for your daughter may be the right, wise, loving thing to do, but may not be what she wants to hear. So I think that being loving and being nice are not the same. Um, and I think it is impossible to be, I think it is unhealthy to be nice all the time, but I think it's healthy to be, um, to, to take a vow to attempt loving kindness in every interaction for everyone involved, um, including oneself. Mm -hmm. And um, I was thinking about the giving of love to those whom, to those, for example, whom we see as causing unacceptable damage, harm to others. That is a tough one because, you know, you know, a mother would protect her child. It says that would protect the child, even if that meant fighting someone off. So it's a very confusing paradigm. Mm -hmm. When do you fight the aggressor and when do you love the aggressor? And I think that, I think that loving the aggressor 
is something for us to strive to do, not because we like it and not because we want to, but because it's what's needed. And it's just needed from beginning to end. And Putin didn't get it. We can't help that. But it's still what's needed for everyone in, in a global kind of humanitarian way. It's what is needed in the world. So those were my, my thoughts and experiences. Thank you all for letting me feel so much today. Thank you, Janev and Alistair. Thank you. Um, Mala. We cannot hear you. Um, can you hear me now? Yes. I'm so sorry. I have trouble with my laptop and the speakers or the microphone goes out sometimes. Um, and I want to thank you for your interpretation of the Meta Sutra. And it was um, different for me this time. And I'm grateful for it. And I recognize in thinking about diffusing love over the entire world that my most, my best lever for doing that is um, focusing on my own sphere of influence mm -hmm. and my own practice. And I also struggle to reconcile uh, that with my sense that having a practice is a privilege. Mm -hmm. In having the time and the relative wealth and the health and the safety to have a practice when so many people in the world don't have those things. And I guess I feel guilty about that. And I also recognize that it's futile to feel that way. So in, in trying to absorb the meta, there is that little block for me. And it's guilt and it's, like I said, it's futile, mm -hmm. but do you have any advice? Mm, boy, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point to remember that we are incredibly privileged. Um, in some ways, in some ways. We can't really know other people's minds and lives, I guess I think. Mm -hmm. Their ability to practice um, won't be the same way we're practicing. Won't be in a nice air-conditioned room, maybe, with beautiful flowers and... But I think... Um, I think most people are able to practice, I would say. Yeah, that it, it, will, it will not be in the, with the same conditions that we practice, but mm -hmm. 
I think the desire to do that, the desire to realize, to become awakened, to be of service, and to suffuse love is there, and the practice springs from that. I don't know if you remember last Sunday in our introductory class on selling the Roxy, this came up for me as, as I was watching the, you handle the richness of the, the yes. cloth and the, and the idea that, you know, that's a beautiful thing that we yeah. possess. But anyway, thank you for your words that that's very helpful. Very. Thank you all. You know, uh, people talk about how everyone is their teacher, but I do feel like when people speak, uh, have responses to things, that um, those are really rich. Those are definitely Dharma nuggets for me. So thank you all for speaking.